Unwritten contains mature language, content, and themes. Please listen with care. Elaine stands frozen in her room at the Mental Rehabilitation Center of Middle Ohio. The sound of dress shoes clack against the tile floor as Gerald steps into the doorway. Hello, Elaine. How did you... Wait, what are you doing here? It's good to see you. How are you? Doing well, I trust. You're not allowed here. Oh, it's fine. I'm not fine with this. The young woman at the reception desk is utterly charming. Turns out we share the same birthday. I'd like you to leave. Don't worry. We only need to settle some business. Shouldn't take long. Gerald comes all the way into the room. He bypasses Elaine, surveys the walls, and peeks through the curtains. Elaine positions herself in the open doorway. Listen, Miss Harper, I've been informed that you intend to return to my school. Is that correct? Who told you that? Hmm, I don't recall. No matter. I have to inform you, much to my dismay, that you are currently prohibited from re-entering school. What? Now, this isn't a permanent prohibition, of course. Your situation is... delicate. Certainly a situation we've never dealt with before. We have to treat it with caution, I'm sure you understand. I only have one class left. I admire your dedication, however... A cockroach scuttles out from under the bed. Without halting his monologue, Gerald squashes the insect with his shoe. Elaine winces at the sound of the crunch. Perhaps it is a better idea to forego continued schooling. Focus on your health instead. We all feel terrible about your incident, you know. Gerald swipes a tissue from the table and wipes guts off the bottom of his shiny shoe. Nasty bugger. I don't understand. I'm still enrolled. It's not like I was expelled. No, nothing like that. You were put on indefinite medical leave. Not indefinite. I'm definitely done with my medical leave. I could have left three months ago. I'm perfectly healthy. That isn't what I heard. What? Who could have told you anything about... She called you. I'm certain I don't know what you're talking about. Elaine steps fully back into the room. I guess I should quit underestimating how far she'll go to control me. I am coming back to school. My medical leave is over. If only it were so simple. You see, you didn't place yourself on leave. You weren't able enough to do that. We initiated the process for you, so only a dean can lift the hold on your registration. A dean? So you? Well... Normally it would be the dean for your college. A non-academic dean lifting such a hold would be quite unorthodox. Although I suppose given my upcoming change in status, exceptions could be made. Quid pro quo, Dr. Lecter. I didn't come here to blackmail you, Miss Harper. I came to check on your illness. And frankly, it doesn't seem as if you've improved much. You're still treating me with great antagonism. My antagonism towards you is not my illness. It's kind of the opposite. Well, I'm not that kind of doctor, but it certainly doesn't seem like you're ready to return to school. You just came here to see if I'm done with you. If it's safe to readmit me. Miss Harper, that's frankly insulting. The assumption that you could hurt me, that is. Elaine's hands clench into fists. It certainly doesn't seem like your temper is under control. If you could have expelled me, you would have. I'm finishing my degree. You're certainly welcome to request the hold on your registration be lifted. 
It's quite a process. You'll need references to vouch for your health. Miss Wu, sadly, is too close to you to provide one. I'm sure someone as outgoing as yourself must have many other friends. Get out of my room before I call security. You really don't understand how to butter someone up, do you? On second thought, stay. Elaine grabs her bags. I think you'd really fit in here. Elaine turns, squares her shoulders, and leaves Gerald alone in her old room. Got it all. It's just unretained, not putting it off. Just trying to figure it out. If what I say comes to fruition, with these words I can't play around. Walking on wires without a name, ending up alone. It hasn't happened yet. Dayton Writers Movement presents Unwritten, starring Luna Madison, Jordan Lopez, David Senator, and I'm Sean Gunther. Season 2, Episode 2, Through the Whiskey Glass, written by Kathy Holt, directed by Chris Burnside. Also starring Cody Lockwood, Zach Duncan, Jenny Holly, Adrian Miller, Liz Rosevere, Amanda Schrader, and Aaron Ryan. A ray of golden light gleams through the window in Chelsea's small bedroom. In the isolated beam, an orange-striped cat stretches and yawns. The cat slinks to Chelsea and paws at her face. I'm still sleeping, Dinah. Go start the coffee. On the nightstand, a digital clock blinks from 6.59 to 7. Fine! Chelsea turns off the alarm. She sits up and stares at the wall. She blinks several times. She rubs her face. Then she works up the will to swing her legs off the bed and onto the floor. Dinah meows. It's about time you start carrying your weight around here, Dinah. I let you get away with too much on account of you not having opposable thumbs. Chelsea walks to the kitchen and Dinah pads behind her. The kitchen, like the bedroom, is small and tidy. She passes a calendar and glances at it. It's April just a week after Elaine's thesis presentation and subsequent placement at the Mental Rehabilitation Center of Middle Ohio. Chelsea walks straight for her hand-me-down coffee maker and fills it with water. What will be our six impossible things this morning, Dinah? A fruit fly buzzes in front of Chelsea's face, and she swats it away. One. 
You could catch some vermin around here for a change. I thought cats were supposed to like the hunt. Dinah ignores Chelsea and saunters to her water bowl. See, exactly my point. You're impossible. <sighs> impossible thing number two. Gerald Wagner. Rapist, sociopath, life ruiner. Will develop an irritating rash and grotesque boils all over his face. Good point, Dinah. Three. Alas, due to the boils, Gerald will be unable to accept his new position as university president. Chelsea aggressively scoops coffee out of the container, flinging grounds everywhere. She slaps the coffee maker in place and hits on. The machine puts and struggles before it slowly drips into the pot. <sighs> Four. My coffee will brew in record time. Chelsea slumps into a chair at her small kitchen table. Five. Elaine will return to the real world better than ever. Like sixth grade Elaine. Precocious as always, but at peak level of sweetie pie. Still reading fantasy adventures, but not yet bogged down by the cynicism of the great American novel. Not yet bogged down by the fucked upness of real life. Chelsea quiets and stares at the coffee maker. She blinks hard. Six. I will keep breathing. Chelsea arrives early to campus and heads to Professor Lincoln's office. Come in. Chelsea opens the door. Professor Lincoln sits at her desk eating yogurt with strawberries. We need to get Elaine back into school. Lincoln stops mid-bite and just stares at Chelsea. A strawberry falls off of Lincoln's spoon. Miss Wu, pleasure to see you again. Chelsea sits in the chair across from Lincoln's desk. The sun beats through the window. Have you talked to anyone about Elaine yet? Since you stopped by yesterday? <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you, Chelsea. But I've already told you everything I can. Elaine has been placed on medical leave. I can't say anything else due to privacy laws. Truth be told, those same laws keep me from finding out more details. She needs this, though. You know it, and I know it. Right now, Elaine is getting a much-needed break from this place. Break implies a return. Do you know what Elaine wants? They don't allow phones there, so I can't call her directly. I'm driving up to visit this weekend, but I'm sure she wants to get out of there and come back. Lincoln shrugs her shoulders in agreement. She stirs her yogurt absentmindedly. I'd like Elaine back, too. The decision is out of our hands. I heard some cardigans talking at the birthday board. They called Elaine a liability. Banana Republic with the elbow patches thinks Elaine is completely cuckoo. What's the birthday board? The board in the hallway showing all the English professors with March birthdays. It's not even March anymore. Over a century of higher education in this department, and we're reduced to an out-of-date birthday board. Professor Lincoln? You know all too well that I don't think Elaine is a liability. She's just overworked herself on a project she cared about. Maybe you could put in a good word to the department? She only has one more class left. We have to do something. Chelsea flips the longer side of her asymmetrical hair. I think you overestimate how much influence we have. But that's the problem, isn't it? One of many. Whoa, not so subtle digs from Professor Lincoln about the power dynamics of this esteemed institution. I would be happy to support Elaine registering next fall, but she needs to return first. Healthy. And she needs to initiate this. 
I'll make sure she's back here in 100%. Tell her I said hello and that we're wishing her well. She's lucky to have you, Chelsea. I don't know what I would do without her. On the way to her office, Chelsea hears someone call out to her. She turns around and sees August sauntering, almost skipping up to her. He's wearing his campus facilities uniform. <laughs> Someone's chipper today. You're just the person I wanted to see. I am? Not really. But talking to someone lets me put off working. Oh, well, fuck you very much. <laughs> What's new in the life of Mr. Facilities, man? I like the cargo shorts, by the way. Very practical. Many pockets. UPS meets doomsday preppers. It's fine. Someone tagged the statue in the courtyard, so I need to go scrub paint off. The two continue walking. Along either side of the cracking cement walkway, flowers sway with the wind. Chelsea reaches down and picks a yellow daylily. Elaine likes lilies. Elaine thinks flowers are a heteronormative social construct and that it's stupid to give someone a gift that basically says, enjoy watching these die. Yeah, but they're so pretty. Chelsea smells the flower and smiles. Can I tell you something, Chelsea? Of course, you big dope. Before I say anything, I need you to keep an open mind, okay? Oh God, August. What did I just say? Okay, okay. Open mind. Got it. I know it's early, but... It's almost lunchtime, August. August takes his phone out of his pocket and swipes the screen several times before presenting an image. Chelsea, twirling the flower between her fingers, leans closer to see the photo. She drops the flower. An engagement ring? <laughs> You're serious. You can't be proposing this soon. Did you buy it already? August shifts nervously, but tries to play it cool. Nah, nah, I mean... You already bought it, didn't you? I just designed it, and ordered it, and put in a down payment. Chelsea zooms in on the ring, analyzing it closely. Its band is rose gold, and its large diamond is circled by a halo of smaller diamonds. August grabs at his phone, but Chelsea slaps his hand away. Pouting, August crosses his arms. This must have cost you a fortune. How are you paying for this thing? Well, I, I always knew I needed a ring eventually, so I had an engagement account separate from my savings. August, I love you, I do, and I love Drea. And I even love you and Drea, sometimes. But I think I read somewhere that marriage is a huge commitment. It just feels right, Chelsea. I don't know how to explain it. Have you been in contact with Harry Styles? I hear he's looking for a new lyricist. He writes his own stuff. Of course you would know that. His solo album is actually pretty good. All I'm saying is this ring situation seems like the brainchild of a honeymoon stage. At this point, waiting just feels like a waste of time. I really care for Drea. I'm not getting any younger. I don't want to be an old dad. You're 25. Have you talked to Drea about this yet? <laughs> and ruined the surprise? Uh, okay, I'm going to put in my one obnoxious blurb of advice because I can't restrain myself. But your life, your choices. Take it with one or two or all of the grains of salt. All right. Life ain't a rom-com, August. Marriage is a discussion between two people about a really big commitment. It's not a surprise. It's not a down-on-one-knee, photographer-in-the-bushes kind of thing. That's a performance that comes after the discussion. August's pace slows. Maybe you're right. But then it's cool to have a photographer in the bushes, right? Because the cancellation fee is really high. Just start with the discussion. Yeah. August's shoulders fall in defeat. He changes the subject. How are you? How's your day been? Like a Sour Patch Kid. First it's sour, then it's sweet. 
Then it blisters your taste buds, so even the sweet still kind of hurts. Well, that sounds not all bad, at least, if I'm understanding the metaphor. I've been doing some string pulling to make sure Elaine has a fair chance of getting back into this puppet show. Oh, yeah? You sound less than enthused. No, no, that's great. Really great. Spit it out. I'm just wondering, I guess, do you think it's a good idea for her like, to come back after everything? You don't want her to come back? That's not what I said. Chelsea stares him down. August clarifies. I mean, of course I want her to come back, but don't we have to accept reality here? Elaine messed up. Chelsea stops walking. August, she wanted justice for Gerald's victims. She wanted to remove a corrupt authority figure from our school. Maybe her methods weren't perfect, but she did the right thing. She accused someone of being a rapist in public. Your point? That's not exactly perfect. She went all rogue vigilante and left us in the dark. You know, maybe we could have helped her. Are you serious? I just think she went about it wrong, and, well, Wagner is still going to be our president. And that's her fault. No, of course not, but it's happening. I'm just as unhappy about it as you are. Hmm. But at some point, we just have to deal with it. The attitude of a true changemaker. It's not that big of a deal. The presidency is just a title. Wagner won't have that much power anyways. There's a whole board to answer to, and he kind of did Elaine a favor, if you really think about it. Chelsea's anger is as visible as heat waves off her skin. Well, not a favor. That's that's not what I meant. But she needed help. In a roundabout way, he made that happen. Why do you think she needed help? Because of everything he did to her and Lita. Go ahead, float around in the middle. Let me know how you feel about that when the rest of us expose him for what he is. Chelsea... We're friends. Just chill out a second. Tell me, white male, how awesome is it to be able to chill out about misogyny and rape? It must be fantastic. That's not what I said. Of course not. Whatever. Chelsea and August stand in silence. Chelsea tugs at her shirt, sticking to the sweat on her back. Anyway, I'm visiting Elaine this weekend. If you want to pass along a message, a supportive one, just let me know, okay? I have to get back to work. Chelsea sighs and looks up at the opened windows of her office building. A figure stands in the opening, looking down at her. Gerald. Chelsea turns back to August. Here we go. Later, August. Later, Chelsea. Chelsea looks back at the window, searching for Gerald. He's gone. Later, Chelsea sits in her office at the university and scans through a seemingly endless list of unread emails. Through the door... Chelsea hears Gerald and Sandra, the receptionist, laughing. Chelsea leans over the trash can next to her desk and silently pretends to vomit. Chelsea is in mid-gag, tongue hanging out of her mouth as the door opens. Gerald's smiling face pops in the opening. I'm taking the office out for lunch. A little thank you for the work everyone has done. Chelsea, still bending over the trash can, bolts upright and composes herself. That's thoughtful of you. I know the inauguration isn't until the fall, but I anticipate you'll be right by my side. This promotion is really a reflection of my team. It's an honor for us all. Mostly for you. Chelsea makes direct eye contact with Gerald, who stands up straighter as he looks down on her. Don't discount yourself, Chelsea. I don't know where I'd be without my partner in crime. Chelsea winces. She turns back to her computer, clicks random icons, and pretends to type. I don't think I can make it to lunch, unfortunately. My stomach is waging war against me at the moment. Food will only provoke an unseemly battle. No one wants to witness that aftermath. Gerald's brow furrows with mild concern. 
His cell phone buzzes from his pocket. He grabs his phone and starts typing a message. I'm sorry to hear that. Are you? Finishing with his reply, Gerald returns his phone to his pocket. Do you need to go home? No, no, it's not that bad. I can handle a little nausea. Besides, my email inbox is out of control. Chelsea looks back at her unread emails and clicks on one emphasized with a red exclamation point. Hate speech graffitied over LGBTQ banner in freshman dorms. Seriously, somebody always has to be an asshole. I certainly don't want you working too hard. We both know what that can do to a person. Before Chelsea has time to respond, Gerald slips out of the room. He knocks twice on the door before shutting it. Impossible. Six. Keep breathing. That weekend, Chelsea listens to music as she pulls into the parking lot of the Mental Rehabilitation Center of Middle Ohio. The clouds hang dismally in the sky. She parks and cuts the engine. Chelsea steps out of the car and into the unseasonably hot spring air. She walks through the heavy doors of the facility. The cold A.C. rushes over her. Artwork lines the walls. Heavily cushioned chairs circle the room. The few end tables display magazines, books, and pamphlets entitled The Journey, Explore, Restore, Fulfill. Chelsea approaches the smiling assistant at the desk. Hi, I'm here to see Elaine Hart. Chelsea? Chelsea turns around and sees Elaine's mother, Sue, enter the room. Mrs. Harper, how are you? Visiting Elaine? Yes, just said goodbye. I didn't know you were planning on visiting today. Bit of a trip from the school, but so worth it. How's she doing? Right. Can I speak to you for a minute? Sue gestures towards a couple of chairs in the far corner of the lobby. The two take their seats below an abstract painting of a blonde woman looking into a mirror. What's wrong? Is she okay? Elaine is fine, Chelsea. That's not what I want to talk to you about. Oh, thank God. (laughs) You have me worried. What's up? I would have saved you the trip if I knew you were coming. What do you mean? We aren't allowing non-family members to visit Elaine. Non-family members? Yes. Which non-family members do you mean? All non-family members. Including me? Yes, including you. I'm sorry, Mrs. Harper, I'm not following. We don't want anyone negatively influencing Elaine while she is recovering. Negatively influencing? I've been friends with Elaine my whole life. I'm practically family. Did Elaine ask for this? Paul and I are paying for Elaine to be here. We're deciding what's best for her. It's a fragile time. I'm sure you understand. Elaine is not in a position to know what's best for her. And you are? I'm her mother. And mother knows best. Tell me, Mrs. Harper, where were you when Elaine broke up with August? Who talked her through that? How about when Elaine taught her first class? Or what about when Lita killed herself? I was, well, certainly. Right. It is always me. I am always there. Sue physically recoils, but her shock fades. She furrows her brow. Look where that's got her. What does that mean? How could you stand by such... such lunacy? Accusing the dean of students of rape in public. A rape of someone who isn't even alive anymore. 
I'm not responsible for Elaine. She's an adult. She's smart. She's independent. She makes her own choices, and I stand by her through... You should have told Elaine that she was acting crazy. Crazy? Is that what you think of your daughter? Of this place? Your sister? Elaine was under a lot of pressure. Don't be silly. Her roommate died practically in front of her. She wasn't sleeping. Dean Wagner was tormenting her. You're just going to ignore all the circumstances and call her crazy? I know you had a part in this. Excuse me? I know what you are. You're some kind of queer. Oh, so my sexual orientation makes me responsible for what exactly? Rapists? Suicides? Hurricanes? It's not normal, and it's not right. We both know that behavior isn't... Well, it isn't normal. And Elaine hasn't been the same since you decided to stand out. I mean, look at her. She can't even keep a boyfriend. It's no wonder with you constantly hanging all over her. You should find some of your own people. I can't believe this. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me you aren't in love with her. Chelsea just stares. Exactly. This is your fault. If you loved her as much as you think you do, you would have gotten her the help she needed. Well, you didn't. So I did. That's why she's here. And that's why you're leaving. Chelsea stands up and walks toward the desk. Sue rushes and grabs Chelsea's arm. Did you listen to anything I just said? You are not to see Elaine. She doesn't need you anymore. She needs professional help. And you'll only get in the way. Chelsea pulls her arm away from Sue's grip. Incredibly, Mrs. Harper, you're not the boss of me. Although you're resembling him right now. You cannot see her. Stop me. If you must know, I already did. Her doctor added your name to the list of prohibited visitors. What? A list of one. How dare you keep us apart? Elaine needs help, not more confusion. If you really cared about her, you would see that. Stop being so selfish, you strange, lonely girl. Chelsea looks to the desk assistant, who shakes his head. She takes one last look into Sue's furious face and walks to the door. As she leaves, Chelsea hears Sue address the desk assistant. I apologize for the dramatic, sir. A month later, Chelsea walks into her kitchen. Dinah zigzags around Chelsea's feet. Chelsea flips the light switch in the kitchen. One of the two light bulbs flickers and goes out. Of course. She stands in the dimmed light and stares at the dead bulb. What do you think Elaine's doing right now? (coughs) Yeah, probably having breakfast. I wonder what's on the menu. It's sort of like a hospital, so maybe jello? But it's breakfast time, so maybe orange jello? Elaine never really liked jello unless it was fresh. Remember how she used to complain that it grew a skin? Dinah stretches out in a patch of sunlight. How much longer could they keep her there? It's been over a month now. Do you think her mom is forcing her to stay? She could have had her involuntarily committed. Chelsea retrieves her coffee grounds from the cabinet. Or maybe they did release her and now her parents have her locked in the attic. Chelsea turns on the coffee maker. The light flashes once before it goes out. She flips the switch off and on, but the light doesn't even flicker. Nope, this is not happening today. I have to get to my meeting with Dr. Lemon. She flips the switch repeatedly, but the coffee maker remains dead. Chelsea stares at the coffee maker. She slowly removes the pot and regards it. 
She looks at the glare of the single light in the plastic of the pot. Suddenly, she slams the pot into the coffee maker. Dinah leaps to her feet and runs from the kitchen, skidding in her haste. Chelsea winds up and brings the pot crashing down again. Both the coffee maker and the pot crack. She hurls the ruined pot into the sink. Fucking stupid hand-me-down piece of shit! Chelsea leans on the counter, gripping it until her knuckles turn white. Dinah peeks around the corner and looks at her cautiously. Sorry, Dinah. No coffee today. Or for another two days until I prime a new coffee maker here. Chelsea breathes deeply, releases the counter, and opens the cabinet again. She pulls out a box of English breakfast tea. Elaine's favorite. No cream, no sugar, just bitter-ass leaves. Chelsea grabs a mug and fills it with water. She turns to the microwave. She narrows her eyes at it. I dare you to stop working. Do you see the coffee maker? Do not fuck with me today. Fifteen minutes into her meeting with Chelsea, Dr. Lemon remains statue-like in her usual position, legs crossed and hands folded in her lap. Raindrops pepper the window, and thunder rumbles threateningly in the distance. I know, I know. It looked from your position like Elaine was losing her mind. Sometimes people need more help than a 30-minute session can offer. I just worry about her. You don't think she's in good hands at the center? There's no way of knowing. That's what's annoying. Like there's been many a time that Elaine was a human SOS signal. Don't tell her I said that. Everything you tell me is confidential. But usually I know when something's wrong and I can help her through that. This? This is like the biggest thing she's ever had to deal with and I can't be there. That's hard. Though, do you think maybe you're taking on Elaine's well-being as your own responsibility? There are other people who can support her. Sure, but say you've had a bad day. Say you've really messed up. Say it feels like everyone's against you. It feels like no one knows or trusts you. Who do you want to talk to after that kind of day? Do you want to sit in a doctor's office and gulp down a spoonful of pity? No offense. None taken. Or do you want to sit on a couch in your PJs with your best friend who knows you and trusts you and loves you, even when you haven't showered in a week? I see your point, but Chelsea, it's not all on you. It kind of is, though. Who else is going to take care of her? She is an adult. Whose choice is it for you to always take care of her? I guess it's mutual. Is it? Does she ask you to take care of her? Not with her words, exactly. She's pretty nonverbal, you know? But Elaine can just be kind of all-consuming. Perhaps that's something about your relationship to consider. It's likely her doctors are having very similar conversations with her. Sure, sure. Maybe Elaine's getting the medical help she needs. But what if she feels alone? And what about you? Do you feel alone? I'm too busy to feel much of anything. Do you think you stay busy to keep yourself from feeling things? Ah, I see what you did there, Madam Therapist. Would you say you're ever stressed out or overwhelmed? Ever? Try always. It's not exactly a healthy work environment when Dean Fuckhead... Don't tell him I said that. Confidential. He's always asserting his authority in manipulative and demeaning ways. It's always fake with him. Sugar-coated bullshit. And who do you reach out to when you want to vent about him? Well, I always want to talk to Elaine about it. She's the only person who would fully get it, I think. But now I mostly draft angry emails, delete them, and scream into my pillow. 
Well, what about your other friends? August and Drea? They're in honeymooner dreamland. You know what type of couple I'm talking about? Always giggling at some private joke? Only coming up for air when the waiter taps them on the shoulder? I can't damper that kind of sunshine with my thundercloud. I see. So, Elaine is your closest friend and support system, and you hers. Well, kind of. But Elaine doesn't always want to listen to me either, to be honest. I guess that's why I'm always here word vomiting to you. So, would you say you're usually the supportive friend? You're the listener? I guess. I mean, it's sort of in my nature. That's what I do for a living. Offer people the support they need to feel less alone. It's important for you to seek support for yourself as well. If you give all of yourself to others, you might lose yourself along the way. Can I get that on a motivational poster? Have you tried talking to Elaine about this? You don't always have to be the put-together one. In a relationship, there is both give and take. Not just give and more give. Everyone's vulnerable. Everyone needs to be listened to and heard. See if you can start to have these conversations with Elaine. Voice to her what you need from the relationship. I know how much this relationship means to the both of you, but holding back your thoughts and needs will only continue the imbalance that you are feeling. I get it. Once I can speak to her again, I'll tell her everything. Chelsea leaves Dr. Lemon's office and walks into the rain. Not bothering to pull up her hood, she runs through campus to her office. Before entering her department wing, her phone rings. Hello? Hey, Chelsea, what's up? Oh, just been getting some help with my feelings. You know, lemon aid. What's up with you? I was just thinking, we haven't gone out in a while, so maybe Splendor tonight? You, me, and Drea? Aren't Tuesdays your movie night? I think Drea's getting bored of movie night. Sounds like you need to up your snack game. I recommend sriracha hummus. Ooh, or chocolate-covered almonds. Or both. Best to just have both. But not at the same time, because gross. Nah, it's not the snacks. I think movie night is just too repetitive at this point, now that we've moved in together and all. Ah, not romantic to stay in anymore. Not that. Say no more. You've reached the first relationship plateau. You spend all your time together, which is getting boring. You need to spice it up. Hang out with your single friends again. Feed off their energy. Try to remember what it was like to be young and carefree and miserable and lonely. It's not like that. I'm only messing with you. You know, we like to hang out with you because we care about you. Yeah, yeah. So you'll come to Splendor? Drinks on me. Certainly can't say no to that offer. And we'll want to hear all about these feelings you say you have. Don't make me change my mind. We can dance. Getting warmer. We can drink away your feelings? Ah, yes, please. Later that night, Chelsea arrives at Splendor in her typical jeans, loose t-shirt, and flannel getup. She looks around for August and Drea. Unable to find them, she beelines to the bar. I'll have a whiskey with ginger ale. Chelsea takes her drink to a high-top table in the darkest corner of the club. By the time she climbs onto a chair, most of her beverage is gone. I see you started without us. Chelsea holds her now-empty glass out to August as he and Drea approach. How about you get this fine lady another whiskey and ginger ale? Ginger ale? It's delicious. Drea rolls her eyes and smiles knowingly. Whatever you say, Mrs. Harper. August walks toward the bar. He calls over his shoulder to Drea. What do you want, babe? Whatever you're having. Yeah, babe, you got it. You just wish Elaine was here to call you, babe. Will you ever let this go? Sorry, Chelsea. 
No, I'm sorry I snapped. It's been a long week. August said something about feelings and all, but I'm glad he convinced you to hang out. I needed someone a little less August-like to spend time with. Relationship plateau. I'm telling you, it's a thing. How's it going living together? It's good, yeah. He's not driving me completely crazy, which I take as a good sign. This is the first time I've moved in with a guy. Getting serious. No, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, my lease was up, so it was an easy move. First comes the move, then comes the marriage. What comes after that one? No marriage, no carriage. We are not there yet. Whatever you say. August returns with three drinks. One whiskey and ginger ale, two Long Islands. August puts his arm around Drea's waist and kisses her head. Chelsea glances from August to Drea several times before taking a swallow of her whiskey. Man, it's been a while. I'd almost forgotten how sticky these floors are. Good to be back. August holds up his Long Island for a cheers. And who's better company than a pissy Chelsea and a lame drink? Something really is up with you. What's going on? Oh, I'm fine. I want to hear more about your lives. Drea, how's the show business? Any new auditions? You're deflecting. Drea has a callback tomorrow, actually. We're talking about Chelsea, sweetie. What's wrong, Chels? What isn't wrong? Elaine is locked up. Her mom has instituted a no-Chelsea zone. Someone keeps spray-painting hate speech around the campus. I have to keep cleaning it. The smell from those solvents he uses is all through the apartment. And, oh yeah, my boss is the actual devil. He keeps weaseling in these subtly nasty comments at work. Mostly about Elaine. His ego has quadrupled since he was named the future president. He waltzes around our department calling himself the university. I sit there and bite my tongue even though he knows. He knows what I think of him. But he's got all the power. Wait till I get my hands on that prominent Adam's apple. I'll rip it off like it's nothing. Oh, 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 rapist piece of shit. Chelsea pauses for a moment to take a drink. She sees August and Drea holding hands under the table. That sounds awful. Then I have Dr. Lemon being all perceptive and getting in my head. I can't keep up with it all. And okay, which one of you is playing footsie with me under the table? August immediately pulls his legs back under his chair. His face flushes, Andrea hits his arm. Oh, my bad. Uh, want another drink? I... No. I knew I shouldn't have come out. I'm not good company right now. I'm unhappy and raging. I need to be alone. Come on, Chels. I am not your Chels. Drea and August share a concerned eyebrow raise. Stay, Chelsea. Really. We want you around. Let's just talk about something else. Something less upsetting. No, you two enjoy yourselves. Get all sweaty on the dance floor or whatever. I'm getting a cab. I'm not mad. I just don't want to ruin your night anymore. Chelsea chugs the rest of her drink. I'm gone. She breaks toward the exit. August and Drea call after her, but she doesn't turn around. She moves through the crowded room recklessly and bumps a drink out of a girl's hand. Shit, I'm so... Chelsea looks in the girl's face and sees Sydney, Gerald's insufferable TA, staring back at her. Well, what do you know? You should really watch where you're going. Mind getting me another drink? Chelsea's face twists in anger. She rips out her wallet and shoves a $10 bill into Sydney's chest before pushing her way to the door. Sydney yells after her. Thanks, Miss Wu. A month later, Chelsea staggers into her bathroom after snoozing through five alarms. 
She avoids her reflection in the mirror, preferring not to see the prominent bags under her eyes. She looks at her contact case, briefly, before grabbing an old pair of glasses. I'm too tired for contacts. Dinah slinks languidly into the bathroom. Six impossible things today, Dinah. One. <laughs> Chelsea bursts into tears. An hour later, Chelsea sits in her office at the university. Her desk is piled much higher with papers than usual. She stares at the screensaver on her computer, a montage of pictures of her and Elaine. Chelsea looks up from her stupor. Maggie, an undergraduate student who lives at the LGBTQ Advocacy House in the student neighborhood, peeks past the half-open door. Ms. Wu? Oh, hi, Maggie. Sorry to bother you. Did you need something? Maggie waits and awkwardly looks down. Er, did you not get my email? Oh, I'm a little behind on emails. Was it important? I just wanted to talk with you, if you have some time. You know, I'd love to, but I'm way behind on work right now. Can we schedule a meeting next week, maybe, or the week after? Oh, okay. Is it urgent? Well, it's... I mean, I guess it can wait. Maybe we can talk after the Inclusion Initiative Task Force meeting? Gerald put you on his task force. I'm a student representative. You recommended me. Oh, right. Yeah, I don't know if I can make that meeting, but I'll catch up with you soon, okay? Sure. Sorry to bother you, Ms. Wu. Before Maggie can even leave the office, Chelsea goes back to watching pictures of Elaine fade in and out on her computer. A month later, nearly four months since she last saw Elaine, Chelsea lies in bed, drinking whiskey straight from a nearly empty bottle. Empty and smashed beer cans clutter her nightstand next to a clock that reads 1.52 p.m. A cheesy horror movie plays on the television. Chelsea idly watches as murderous puppets chase a screaming woman in a bikini toward a shed full of hammers, saws, and axes. <laughs> Real smart there, Chica. Dinah jumps on the bed and scampers across Chelsea's legs. Chelsea hardly notices. She finishes the whiskey and looks despondently at the empty bottle. Fuck! Chelsea flails at her nightstand, knocking over empty cans in a fruitless search for more alcohol. Dinah, give me another beer. Dinah ignores Chelsea and fixates on the empty whiskey bottle as if it might pounce. See, this is why people get dogs. Dinah backs slowly away from the whiskey bottle. Six impossible things. <laughs> One, get drunk. Two, stay drunk. Four, this is very important. Get drunker. <laughs> Chelsea looks at all the empty bottles and cans around the room. She looks toward the bathroom. Ooh, cough syrup! Chelsea stands up too quickly, catches her foot in the blanket, and falls face-first into the carpet. Ow. Dinah bolts from the room. Chelsea looks around by moving only her eyes and not her head, as if seriously considering staying on the floor. From the bed above her, Chelsea hears a text on her phone. She rises to her knees and fumbles for the phone to read the message from Gerald. Hope you're doing all right. What a shame to be sick this time of year. We all wish you a speedy recovery here at the office. What did I say about working too hard? Get some rest, Chelsea. See you real soon. At the end of the text, Gerald has attached a smiling emoji. Chelsea throws her phone across the room. 
Leave me alone! She grabs an empty beer can and throws it at the phone. She misses. Eyes filling with tears, Chelsea collapses against the wall. On the television, a puppet wielding an absurdly large blade is disemboweling the woman, who has somehow also managed to lose her swimsuit. A few hours later, Chelsea wakes to Dinah pawing at her face. In the corner of the room, her cell phone rings loudly. Chelsea pushes Dinah away and, squinting, crawls across the floor toward her phone. She sees the caller has an Ohio area code. Suddenly frantic, Chelsea grabs for her phone. She manages to answer the call. Hello? Yes, this is she. Yes, of course I know her. She is? Next Tuesday? She does? Oh my god, of course I'll be there. Do you, um, probably not. Well, do you by chance know if Elaine's mother will be there when I come to pick her up? Really? Yes, of course, I understand. Thank you so much for calling. The line goes dead. Chelsea looks at the TV, which plays a 90s rom-com starring Meg Ryan. An upbeat song plays as Meg gets one final kiss before the credits roll. Chelsea remains planted in the spot where she answered the phone. Dinah approaches slowly, avoiding empty cans and bottles. Chelsea sits up and picks up Dinah. Dinah lies comfortably in Chelsea's arms. Chelsea's eyes tear up. She's coming home to me. A week later, Chelsea dunks a teabag into a steaming mug and watches as the water turns from light amber to dark brown. Her eyeliner and mascara are just so, and she's back to wearing her contacts. The apartment around her is immaculate. And rounding out our impossible things this morning, we have five. Elaine is coming home. Chelsea exhales and takes a sip of her tea. Dinah meows from the living room. Chelsea sits down on her couch, now made up as a bed. She sips her tea and watches Dinah chase dust motes. Every few seconds, she checks the time on her phone. Almost time to head out. Dinah jumps up on the couch and lies down for a nap. Chelsea sees the pads of her paws are covered in glitter. Oh, Dinah, you ran through my decorations. Dinah stretches out and refuses to allow Chelsea to touch her feet. Chelsea gives up and returns to her tea. Minutes later, Dinah sleeps beside her. Chelsea stands up, careful not to disturb her drowsy cat. She grabs her keys, walks to the apartment door, and opens it. Six. I'm finally going to talk to Elaine. Chelsea pulls into the parking lot of the Mental Rehabilitation Center of Middle Ohio for the first time since May. She notices the welcome sign surrounded by colorful tulips. She exits her car and marches up to the entrance. Smiling, Chelsea reaches the desk and recognizes the desk assistant from her last visit in May. Her smile fades slightly. I'm here to pick up Elaine Harper. She's being discharged today. The desk assistant reaches for the phone, but before he can even lift the receiver... Chelsea? Elaine steps into the lobby, carrying her bags. Chelsea charges her and envelops her in a hug. Elaine waits out the hug, still holding her bags. Chelsea steps back and holds Elaine at arm's length, assessing her like an out-of-town aunt at the holidays. Elaine blinks back her tears. 
Chelsea's eyes water too. Have you grown? I swear you're taller. <laughs> you're so weird. What do you think they did to me in here? Experiments. Stepford shit. Tell me something only Elaine would know. Um, you're afraid of puppets. So creepy. <laughs> it's a pretty childish fear. I'm going to ignore that sick burn, but only because I've missed your stupid face. Elaine smiles and blinks hard. It's good to see you. Can we get out of here? Of course. I have a smoothie waiting for you. Blended fruits and ice? You heard me. Outside, Elaine squints in the sunlight. Chelsea opens the car door and waits for Elaine to catch up before climbing onto the warm seat. She reaches in the back seat for the small cooler. One for you and one for me. Mango, banana, and pineapple. Greek yogurt? Who do you think I am? Oh my god. How have I survived without you? Elaine rips the lid off the cup and chugs her smoothie. You're just asking for brain freeze. Elaine stops drinking and closes her eyes, savoring the flavor of the fruit. You have no idea how good this tastes. You do not want to know the mush and goo I had to eat in there. Chelsea starts the car. Elaine looks out the window and through the side mirror. She watches the center fade to a speck in the distance. Thanks for picking me up. Are you kidding? I've been suffering severe separation anxiety since you left. I, I wasn't sure. My mom said some things. Did she now? What does that mean? Nothing. That story can wait until tomorrow. I wasn't sure if you were mad at me or freaked out by my breakdown or what. I thought I might have spooked you away. At this point in our friendship, it would take something truly extraterrestrial to spook me away. Why didn't you visit? Family only. But that doesn't make sense. Just trust me on this. I'll tell you tomorrow. Gerald visited. Chelsea jerks the wheel and they hit a pothole. That scumbag piece of shit. How did he get in? What did he say? I can't believe this. Are you okay? When did he come? Um... Right before you, actually. Excuse me, what? Chelsea pulls the car over to the side of the road. She turns to face Elaine. Are you all right? How was it, seeing him again? It's interesting, actually. I have a visceral reaction to his presence. I can't control it. I feel anger and nausea and fear all at once. I know the feeling all too well. Are you okay? I don't want to be afraid of him anymore. We're going to stop him. I don't even want to be angry anymore. You have every right to be angry. He's trying to stop me from finishing my degree. I won't let him. I don't know how you worked with him all summer. Chelsea opens her mouth, then shuts it, swallowing her words. Elaine takes a deep breath. <sighs> Gerald is not in control of us. We are here. We are together. We have smoothies, and I have so much to tell you about this summer. Elaine begins sharing everything about being a patient in the center. She talks about Aunt Ellen, therapy, Richard, and her mother. Chelsea listens to it all without interruption. After an hour... And then I came into the lobby to wait for you, and now we're here. You had quite the experience. It was a really good experience for me, I think... Sorry, I talked the entire ride so far. I guess I just assumed that the real world kept spinning while I was away. Anything big happened to anyone? Uh, August and Drea are engaged. Oh! Wow. That's... 
actually, now that I think about it, that is the most August thing he could do. Was it public? Photographer in the bushes. Oh, August. Any other news? So I've been... Well... Chelsea inhales and takes a short moment to compose herself before she speaks again. Right as Chelsea starts speaking, Elaine cuts her off. It's really good to see you. I'm so glad you're the one part of my life that will never change. So how's everything been for you? Same Chelsea? Chelsea slows to a stop at a red light. She looks over at Elaine and forces a smile. Yep. Same old, same old. Dayton Writers Movement presents Unwritten. Executive Producers Chris Burnside, Megan Burnside. Producers Anna Adamy, Carrie Zahn. Lead Writers Anna Adamy, Chris Burnside. Story by Anna Adamy, Chris Burnside, Amanda D., Joey Ferber, Jana Gomes, Kathy Holt, Cece Hutton, Stephen Gallenberg, Grace Poppy, Tavis Taylor. Assistant Director, Megan Burnside. Sound Engineer, Dan Seavers. Theme Song by Joey Ferber, Kelsey Mills, and Ian Mortensen. For more Unwritten, visit our website at unwrittenpodcast.com. This episode of Unwritten was brought to you by Handcrafted Imports, whose mission is to change lives through art. Handcrafted Imports brings the awesome beauty and creativity of talented artists from South Africa to your doorstep in the U.S. When you purchase from Handcrafted Imports, you not only will bring an exquisite work of art into your home, you will improve lives in the economy of South Africa. Every artist Handcrafted Imports works with practices fair trade and provides a fair wage and important training to their staff. You may view and purchase the handcrafted unique ceramics by visiting handcraftedimports.com. Hey everyone, this is Jordan Lopez, voice of Chelsea Wu. I wanted to thank you all for listening and remind you to rate and review Unwritten on iTunes. Every review helps us show higher in the rankings. Be sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram and Twitter at DWM Presents. Thank you.